genre. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. And I have two guests joining me today who I would recognize even if I couldn't see their cheekbones. It's Cass <laughs> Fredrickson and Norman Mitchell. So, Norman and Cass, is Green Lantern a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Probably will be, but definitely should be. Yeah, definitely. It probably <laughs> will be, definitely should be. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with all of that. So, uh, Cass and Norman, tell me a little bit uh, about yourselves before we get started so audience knows who they're listening to. Well, we are the co-hosts of the now-completed uh, Lord of the Rings Minute, and if you're not familiar with that whole thing, uh, we covered the uh, Lord of the Rings Extended Edition trilogies one minute at a time, and Be- yeah. Because you're maniacs? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds right. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Checks out. Uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what inspired you to do that? Well, back when uh, the Wild West of, like, I don't know, Movies by Minutes podcast was getting going, like, um, Scott and Nick, who I know Scott's been on here before. I don't know about Nick. They, uh, they had just started uh, Back to the Future Minute, and, you know, we were kind of thinking about doing a similar project, and... We both really love Lord of the Rings, so it just kind of felt like a good uh, fit. And I will take the blame for this, because originally <laughs> this was broached as doing Harry Potter Minute. Yeah, I wanted to do Harry Potter, but And I was like, what about Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I'll take the blame for that. You know what? I think even though you did the extended editions, I still think you may have dodged a bullet. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's reasonable and fair. Yeah. It was fun. I learned a lot about those movies and making movies in general and like Tolkien lore. And uh, I don't know if I would consider myself an expert, but some people misguidedly do. So, (laughs) yeah, well, we are here to take real advantage of that expertise today. And yeah, to talk about something else with magic rings. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you you know what? That literally never occurred to me. (laughs) Kind of magic. Maybe magic magic that's our niche i guess it's uh, it, it it this definitely falls into the realm of any technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic right mm-hmm. yeah but then all right so let's talk about green lantern what what's your experience with green lantern in general and specifically this movie do you want to go first norman uh sure uh so green lantern is actually my favorite dc superhero hal jordan i love but my first my first real exposure to green lantern is probably the justice league uh, cartoon from the early 2000s, John Stewart. And then I read a bunch of just like Green Lantern comics uh, off and on, got really into Green Lantern again when like Blackest Night had happened and like read a bunch of that stuff. But I, I just really like Hal Jordan. I pretty much like all of the Lanterns to some degree or another, uh, although my least favorite is Kyle. Even Rainer. Guy Gardner? Guy, Guy Gardner is... <laughs> Your least favorite's Kyle Rayner? I know, yeah, right? I know. We're fighting about it. I know. Kyle... Um, <laughs> I, I like that guy... Kyle Rayner's the artist. <laughs> I know. Uh, I like that guy is troubled, because I think you can do interesting things with him in a story. I'm mad about this. You can be wrong. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. 
Uh, all right, fair enough. <laughs> and so, how did Norman? How how did you first come about? Did, like, did you? See, I assume you saw Green Lantern in theaters. I did. I was incredibly excited to see this movie in theaters, and then had convinced myself after seeing it the first time that it was pretty good. And then, <laughs> uh, oh no! Slowly, just came to the realization that uh, maybe about fifty percent of it was good. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to assuage you of that belief today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cass, what's your experience <laughs> yes. with uh, Green Lantern and, and this movie? Um, Green Lantern is not my favorite DC superhero, but definitely the one I've read the most comics of. I was getting into comics around the time that like the Blackest Night event uh, was happening um, it, it, for DC and I was really interested in like the lore surrounding it so my boyfriend at the time was like here's a list of the things that you should read and I like binge read all of it I really like wacky space uh, shenanigans like that corner of both Marvel and DC so Green Lantern is like I don't know it's I I forgot how much I loved Green Lantern and now I'm going to be, that's like my hyperfixation now for the next like two months, probably. Uh, <laughs> right. Just binge read a bunch of great yeah. Green Lantern Because it's been a while. It's been like over a decade since I was um, regularly reading like the single issues. So when this movie came out, I was also really hyped to see it. And I actually saw it in theaters twice in the same weekend, which I regret. But it couldn't be helped because... Uh, <laughs> My boyfriend and I wanted to go see it together, and then my brother also really wanted to see it, and it was his birthday, so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll I'll see this twice. Ah, uh, what a good scene. Yeah. <laughs> and then we hadn't seen it since, uh, till rewatching it last week for this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hmm, that sure is a movie. <laughs> I sure watched that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I my experience is actually very, very similar to Norman's, with the possible exception of ever reading any comics. Mm. I'm, I've never been much of a comic book reader, just because there's so much, and I always find it incredibly overwhelming. But my first introduction to Green Lantern, I think, was also Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. And I don't know if Green Lantern was my favorite, but his was the power set that I wanted the most. Mm-hmm. Like, that's always been like, well, if I wanted to be one, that's the one I'd want to be. And so for me, my Green Lantern has also always been Jon Stewart. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm, I'm like Jon Stewart's great. Like, I love him. That's amazing. And I've kind of like learned more about it. Uh, I watched the that CG animated Green Lantern show that was out four or five years ago that was better than it had any right to be but was only around for one season. I heard that was really good. It was good, but like the the plotting a lot of people thought was kind of slow. Oh. But the show was pretty good. Nice. Yeah, the the slow plotting never really bothered me. Like it seemed more methodical than mm-hmm. anything else, but I liked it. I thought it was fun. But yeah, I I I saw this movie in theaters and I had been really really excited for it and then even at the time, even before, like, I, I went all Hollywood, I did not like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a theory as to, like, a way to fix the movie as it is, although I think we're going to be going completely off the rails. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I I wanted this to be good. Especially because this was, like, right around when, like, 
Captain America came. Like, this is when we're really getting into the MCU. Mm-hmm. And this is DC going, wait, wait, but us too. Yeah. Yeah. And it just shows that even 10 years ago, they did not know what they were doing. Which is a shame, because I don't know if they actually, like, learned their lesson or not. I guess, yeah. I don't know, we'll see. But <laughs> Yeah, I just, I feel like... They did not. <laughs> I feel like whatever happens with Warner Brothers, they just don't know what to do with the more wackier, explicitly supernatural stuff. I like Shazam. Yeah, but like, yeah, Shazam is the best one, and that's because they didn't take it seriously. We haven't seen Aquaman, though, so... Yeah, we haven't seen Aquaman, but like, they didn't take Shazam seriously, so like, they did a better job with it, and that's mm. just what they need to do with these these properties. I know our mutual friends and like Scott and everybody really, really liked Aquaman, but um, they're wrong. I hate it. It's terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like I'm predisposed to like it because people keep calling it Wet Thor, uh, and Thor's my favorite MCU franchise, so I'm just like, all right. But I just have, we just haven't sit down to watch it yet. <laughs> yeah. I haven't gone back and rewatched Thor in a long time. I didn't love Thor the first time I saw it, but I've come around and I genuinely enjoy it now mm-hmm. for everything it is and tries to do. Mm-hmm. Wet Thor, while appropriate, just, oh, oh God, I hate it oh, so much. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, but that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. But for Green Lantern, like, I I wanted this to be good. I wanted this to be amazing. Yeah. And it's just disappointing. So I watched this last Thursday. I watched it with the former guest of this show, and I think she's been on a couple other dueling genres stuff, uh, Caitlin Rogers, who is a costumer. Like, she makes superhero costumes for a living. Mm-hmm. And, like, to the point where she made the Deadpool costume. Wow. Nice. And she, she had never seen Green Lantern, because she'd always heard it was terrible. Uh-huh. But... We, like, me and her boyfriend were like, well, as a Ryan Reynolds completionist, you should watch this. (laughs) I have never seen her so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Probably for one of the same reasons Ryan Reynolds was upset with this movie, right? I didn't really do any research into, like, a lot of the things going on with this movie, but I can't imagine he loved being a floating head. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Like, there's no reason for them to just use CG costumes. Mm -hmm. It does nothing it's just a distraction and does nothing for the movie on some level i get it because if the costume is created by the ring you kind of want to show that in some way but it doesn't need to stay cg the whole time you just need to have like the cg suit up right just do like a glowing magical girl like transformation or something exactly (laughs) just leave it you know what i would genuinely love that and that is part of my pitch for this movie amazing all right Uh but but yeah, like for, for the same like I think this is a little bit a, a victim of technology at the time of like we we're always like kind of like paying attention to the movies that are the cutting edge, edge of technology and Iron Man was so good and blah blah blah, which came out in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. But this it's just it's trying so hard and it's showing off things that it should have been keeping hidden because there's parts of the CG that look really good, but we're so distracted by pieces that don't that it's just disappointing. Yeah. It was trying to be a little more ambitious than the technology could handle at the time. Well, I mean, okay. Yeah. So not to bring up Thor again, um, but like <laughs> the, the, those two movies came out like, I think like two months apart. Like Thor came out in like yeah. April of 2011 and this came out in June. And like the CG um, like Asgard landscapes, I think still hold up really well. Yeah. Um, and then if you compare that to like the CG Oa landscapes in, in Green Lantern, it's like, 
It's almost embarrassing. I, think, I, I feel bad. <laughs> I think, oh, it looks okay. It's just blandly colored. Yeah. Well, I think this is a victim of the same thing that Warner Brothers, like, all of the DC movies are victims to, of, like, Warner Brothers is still just trying to recreate the success and the love everyone had for things like The Dark Knight and yes. Batman. Yes. Yeah. And that's just not what these are. Like, it's always interesting watching, like, the Gotham world of, like, dark noir in compared to everything else DC, and everything else is just colorful and amazing, and they're... They're a weird pantheon of gods, and it's just this one that's super weird and dark. And mm-hmm. you can't use his palette for the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't work. Or shouldn't. Shouldn't. But yeah, that's so, the word, shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can. They did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about what we're going to do. So it, it sounded like you two had an idea for what we needed to do to fix this movie. Do you want to start with that, or do you want to start with what's kind of wrong with like the plot of the first movie, of what we have? I think, I think, okay, so a big problem is there's, like, four writing credits on this movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, I don't think this movie is about anything. Like, it's, like, what is the theme of this movie? Yeah, because it, 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 it loses itself so much. There is no, like, good, big thematic thread. Right. It's about overcoming your own self-doubt, but, like... It never feels like such a central theme to me. Mm-hmm. Um. I So my theory about this movie and the problem that I think this movie has and that's indicative of like the whole Warner Brothers movie mentality, especially at this time, is that I think this is three movies. Mm. Mm. And I think that if they'd actually taken the time to make this three movies, then I think it actually could have been very, very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's at so, least two. Uh, yeah, so here's my pitch for this being a trilogy that they tried to all shove into a singular movie. Okay. Uh, of course, my pitch for the first movie is something they would never do, but that's why it, it's a shame. So my pitch is, like, Hal Jordan finds uh, Abin, like, gets chosen, finds Abin Sword, does this thing, finds the lantern, finds the ring, and spends the entire rest of the movie, like, overcoming the people who are trying to, like... I was going to say weaponize the military, but that doesn't make sense. But the people who are trying, like the the contractors who are trying. Yeah. Well, not even automate the military, but like they're trying to like private contractor do evil things. Mm -hmm. And how Jordan is like, well, no, that's not what it should be. And so like he is taking down like bad guys and mobsters and, and low level threats. And he does it while like he cannot get the ring off his finger. And the ring slowly starts responding to his thoughts more and more and more. To the point where, like, he, like, I don't want him in the suit until the end of the movie. Like, he keeps learning more about the ring and learning to create constructs and figuring stuff out and using it to his advantage mm-hmm. and taking down, like, the the mobster bad guys. Until finally, like, in his da- hour of need, when he's showing the most courage because he's he knows he's about to die, but he goes in anyway. That's when the lantern, like, hits him with the green energy and he has the moment of knowing the, the whatever code the uh the oath oath, thank you uh he says the oath he says the thing he has his magical girl transformation (laughs) that's when he gets the green lantern costume and we see it like towards the middle or the end of act three and that's the end of the movie and then our teaser is he's figuring out how to turn the 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 suit on and off and then that's when he gets kidnapped and taken to oa interesting that's when sinestro shows up and is like who the fuck are you (laughs) sinestro's not in the first movie uh 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 
other two guys whose names I'm blanking on right now aren't in the in the first movie. It's just Earth. It's just Hal and Tom Kalmaku. Ta- Taika Waititi for some reason is in this movie. That took me for a loop. Yes, it did. Yeah, <laughs> it's like wow, he looks like a baby. <laughs> so and does Ryan Carol Reynolds. It, yeah, like here's the thing. I think Ryan Reynolds is good casting for this, and yes. Taika Waititi was super fun. I think uh, I, I think Blake Lively. While it's lovely that that's how she and Ryan, Ryan Reynolds met, I think unfortunately she's bad casting. I think the Carol Ferris you want needs to have a lot of Velma energy, and I thought Blake Lively brought in a lot of Daphne energy. If that makes sense. Interesting. Hmm. That's very interesting. I, I overall liked Blake Lively in this movie, but I think you're right. I don't think she has quite the right energy, but her and Ryan Reynolds had real chemistry. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously. <laughs> absolutely. And that's part of what I loved about it and what I loved about them. Like, I like I like Blake Lively. Like, I, I like her as an actress. I find her interesting, but I don't think she's right here. Hmm. Mm. But so anyway, so yeah, so that's my idea for movie one. Movie two would have been like the whole training sequence, figuring out and like kind of uncovering the the world. Like the the second movie is Rocky. It's Sinestro doesn't believe in him. They're going to figure out a way to take the ring off of Hal. It's going to leave Earth completely unprotected. And Hal's like, no, you got to give me a chance. Someone's got to train me. And Kilowog's like, I'm a big guy, but I've got a heart of gold. I can train him. <laughs> <laughs> And like, and that's the second movie. It's it's space Rocky. Uh huh. Yeah. And and but at the end of the movie, Hal wins, and that and that just like crushes Sinestro. He's like, "No, I've always been the greatest Green Lantern. If I'm not the greatest Green Lantern, what is it?" And then he hears the whispering of the Yellow Lantern that we got a little bit of lore in the middle of the movie, and mm-hmm. then the it we'd never have uh, who's his face uh, uh, Parallax because why would you have Parallax in this movie? Yeah. And then the third movie is all of a sudden there's this big threat to Earth and Hal has to go back with all the things he's learned and with the power of the core and save Earth from the galactic threat of Sinestro, who is coming to figure out why Hal beat him. And it was going to take out Earth because uh, fear, f- fear, ta- fear gas made him do it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know that um, Space Rocky sounds like the most like dope movie ever but like I don't, I don't know if that would ever happen yeah like i don't think you would never they would never commit to a trilogy of movies that started that way i don't think because mm. you want to no, see I the hero so. in the suit for like the whole climax of the movie or whatever yeah that's the problem like but th- but that it was mentioned in like i heard this term uh someone was talking about it in one of the i think franchiseography episodes where they were saying that a lot of these executives hollywood just wants Hollywood always just wants to start with dessert first. Yes. But but you have mm-hmm. to eat the meal first. You have to earn your way up to it and you have to like earn it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to make a really good compelling thing, like there was the whole Daredevil TV show where he's not in the red suit until the end. Like he's just the guy in black. And that was so good. Mm-hmm. I love that we show. Don't that need first to... season of Daredevil is so good. Agreed. And especially, be- I mean, the fact that the red suit looked a little bit hokey, but like, and the black suit looked way better mm-hmm. not what's like assuming the red suit looked great like from the get i still think that would have been the right thing to do because it's earned mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's what i think this movie should have done and just didn't yeah but but that's what i think this this movie as it exists could have been why don't you tell me about what you think the movie should be okay so <laughs> this you want to i i i yeah i kind of want to like start start talking about this so we also were like, what the fuck is Parallax and Hector Hammond doing in yeah, this movie? Yeah, I don't... 
It's not a good starter villain. I do villain. not know. Just, yeah, I don't think it's a good starter villain. And, like, the villain that we kind of had talked about and think that would work is also, like, maybe not a good starter villain in some ways, but I think is an interesting way to immediately kind of build out the lore of Green Lantern, and that's to use Atrocitus. That's how you're going to start? So here's why. <laughs> so here's here's how. Okay. <laughs> So you do the you do like the prologue of this movie is the destruction of Atrocitus' homeworld by an army of robot soldiers, which is the first army the guard- the Manhunters because yes, it's the first it's the first army that the Guardians had built to be peacekeepers in the universe. Okay, so you have the destruction of Riot, and then they realize that after the Guardians realize after all the the shit the Manhunters did that they needed to use living people with empathy and the ability to make judgment calls and not scary war and, robots and not scary war robots to be peacekeepers. So you have the destruction of Riot. You show that's how Atrocitus is created. You show him being defeated and imprisoned like many years later by Sinestro and Abin Sur together. And then you have Abin Sur attacked by Atrocitus after he escapes instead of Parallax. And that's how Atrocitus crashes on Earth. Not, or Abin Sur. That's how Abin Sur crashes on Earth. Okay, go on. So, <laughs> and the reason I think you do the Manhunter thing is because one of my favorite scenes in this movie was the stealth bomber dogfight scene. And if you use the Manhunters as part of, like, the background for the Guardians, you get to connect, like, the automation of the military and that stealth fighter scene to, like, greater events in the background of the movie to, like, automation of a police force and the Guardians. That makes total sense to me. I think that's a good thematic connection. That's very, very clever. I like that a lot. And, like, also, because I, um, like, the thing... Honestly, the thing that makes Hal interesting to me is his relationship with Sinestro. Because otherwise, I think Hal has a really bland, like, zero personality. <laughs> um, and, oh, you mean standard white guy number three? Right? Like, what is his personality? Is it, like, cocky? Like, <laughs> I mean, I like Hal Jordan for a lot of the same reasons that I like Steve Rogers. But Hal has dealt with, like, more issues than Steve because of things that have happened to him that he's had to react to. Yeah. Like being possessed by Parallax. I don't know. I feel like Steve Rogers has more of a personality than, than I Al think. Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think Steve Rogers starts with a lot of personality, and then Hal Rogers gets a lot of character development. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hal Hal goes through a lot, and I love watching what Hal goes through. Um, yeah. So I um, I also like the like. Because green, like the green power ring is so esoteric, like, like willpower. Like it's, I think it's a difficult like emotion to kind of pinpoint. So I like Atrocitus because like anger is something like, you know, everyone can kind of relate to. I also kind of, I like the, like the sympathetic villain angle. Um, But like it's. Yeah. Hector Hammond in this movie is. Nothing. Is, is disgusting. Like, yeah. Right? Well, Atrocitus. not only that, like, he's also not a character. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's, like, he's sitting there eating squeezy cheese on chips or something. I wasn't paying attention. And, like, Amanda Waller shows up out of nowhere and says, we need you to look at something. Okay. Wow, this is an alien. Oh, it got me. Well, back home. Holy oh, hey, shit. Turns, uh, that was, that, that's my origin story. No character development there. Oh, by the way, turns out I'm a horrible creeper. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now I'm dead. <laughs> and I killed Amanda that's, Waller along the way. No, I don't think she's dead. No, she, she was alive. Did she? He killed his, he killed his, he dad. killed his dad. He killed, uh, he killed his dad with a, 
automated flamethrowers, which I don't know why they're there. Mm-hmm. Just auto- automated arm robot arm flamethrowers, which have no place in this scientific lab. Um, <laughs> but uh, Amanda Waller got thrown against a wall, but then she like made it out. Oh, okay. See, I I, bar- I don't remember it very well because the movie's not very good and wasn't good at making me care. Uh- <laughs> um, but I like. I like using Atrocitus because, like, if you keep the, like, Hal's dad, like, dying tragically thing, you have Hal dealing with... They can bond! Yeah, you have Hal dealing with that. You have Sinestro dealing with the loss of Abin Sur, who's his his, best best friend. friend. Um, And then you have Atrocitus, who's, like, mourning the loss of his entire planet. So, like, the through line is, like, how different people deal with, like, grief and and trauma. Yeah. that makes total sense to me. It's crazy that all three of the of the of those that were lost are all named Martha. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? <laughs> but yeah, like I think I think Atrocitus is just like a really interesting sympathetic villain. He's the survivor of a genocide. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. He's the survivor of a genocide. He doesn't handle it well, nor should he. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so like y- you do all that. I think that the stealth bomber scene is like one of the better scenes in this movie. So I want to keep connecting to that. And I think instead of having like all these nameless government contractors, that's just the role you give Amanda Waller. She's the person working with Ferris Air to automate these stealth bombers for the government. Sure. I mean, if you want to keep her, I understand why you want to keep her because right. there's only there's like only two one women in this women. movie. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't want to get rid of either of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I. So are we going to be keeping Hal Jordan? Because I remember we discussed up at the top that you might have considered sw- switching him out to Jon Stewart. No, we we kept Hal because... Want to keep the relationship with Sinestro. Yeah, Because it's yeah. so fascinating. Okay, that's great. Um, I also cast Jon Stewart just in case, mm-hmm. uh, but I also have a Hal. So it's great. I'm good. I'm covered. Nice. Everything's nice. going to be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I also think that this movie should do is I want Hal to see Abinser's ship crash. And actively like choose to help him. and actively make the decision to go see what the hell that was and help the, whoever survived. Yeah, because like he watched his dad die in a plane crash and couldn't do anything. Right. So well, the other crazy thing to me that didn't get tied together was oh, Hal took the these two robot planes to space because uh, the director of this movie saw Iron Man, <laughs> and 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 then his plane freezes up when. The next scene, what we're going to be seeing is a ship from space crash. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why Hal would have been fine, and he's like, because he's the best pilot, but like, he loses radio connection, and then this thing from space comes in and knocks his plane out. So now, it's like, he comes back on radar, and all of a sudden he's falling. They're like, see, he screwed up. He's like, no, no, this crazy thing happened. Interesting. And then later he finds the ship and still chooses to help the, th- the whoever's inside. Mm. Like, you're dealing with space twice. Yeah. Connect, connect them. That's a good point. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I just I just feel like it's important for Hal to like actively make the decision to go check for survivors in this crash rather than the ring pull him to it. Oh, no, I agree with that completely. Uh, like because I and and if the he is knocked off course by the ship coming in and crashing and knocking him out, I want him to be so concerned with going and checking on this thing that happened that he's not even going to let them take care of him because he needs to go Right. Check out this thing that knocked into him. Mm-hmm. Right. And no one believes him because it was like still stealth or whatever, like something weird. So like no one else really saw what happened. 
yeah, literally no one believes him. They think they're making he's making it up to like cover for the fact that oh, the best pilots screwed up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. He needs an excuse that aliens did it. <laughs> right? Yeah, I like I, I I dig that. I can dig that. Yeah. Like, I think that you continue, like, the development of, like, these stealth bomber things in the background of the movie, kind of, to some degree, uh, just so that Carol has something to do in this movie that's, like, more active. Absolutely. I think Atrocitus should be on Earth for most of this movie. Like, building an army of his own Red Lanterns, like, out of the population of Earth before he decides to leave and go hunt down Sinestro, the other guy that imprisoned him. Mm. And I want Sinestro to show up on Earth after Abinsur's ship crashes, meet Hal, get in like a first round fight with Atrocitus, and they manage to sur- they manage to like push I him lost. back a- enough that Atrocitus like retreats, but Hal like puts himself in harm's way to save Sinestro from something, gaining a little bit of respect from Sinestro, so he drags him back to Oa for training. That works for me. I my punch up for that is. The reason that Atrocitus is on Earth is because we're a species that is just so capable of rage mm-hmm. that norm- normally he, like, for different planets, he'll, like, do his anger gas or whatever it's called from the comics that, like, like makes people get more angry. But on Earth, he doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. Just, like, brings five rings and lets the ring select five different people just that are so angry all the time. Right. And you can have Dexter. Oh, no. And you and. <laughs> And so we see four of the choices, but not the fifth one, and the fifth one's Dexter. <laughs> it's just a little surprise. We get a little cameo of the angry, angry cat. Best boy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if if we don't get Dexter, what are we even right, doing right? right. Atrocitus can be walking around with a cat petting it like Dr. <laughs> Evil. Like it's, yeah. it's great. Uh, yeah, and then if someone comes in and hurts Dexter, you can say, you hurt my cat, which is... I, I haven't read many comics, but I've seen that line. <laughs> And the other thing that we're not taking advantage of right here is we can do one of the things that Warner Brothers always wants to do with their superhero movies and release it around Christmas. It's red and green. Yeah. Oh, it's bless. built for it's built for a December release. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ho ho horrific. Amazing. Yeah. So you, you so you have you have Sinestro drag Hal back to Oa for training after he gains a little bit of respect. You do a lot of the training stuff kind of the same way that they did in this movie. I like Tomare being like the lantern that gives us the exposition and kind of befriends Hal when he first doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You can do a little bit of Kilowog and then Sinestro shows up a little later after Kilowog messes with Hal for a while. I love Kilowog. Me too. I love Kilowog too. I just don't know how you make his role bigger, but I like that he's here. So yeah, right. Yeah, I like. I didn't love the way he was portrayed, but like, I do generally love Kilowog. And I, for uh, Tomar Ray, I actually thought it was really interesting. It was one of the few moments where I was a fan of the way they were doing the CG in the movie because the way he flew, it looked like he was swimming. Mm. Yeah, and I thought that was just a good attention to detail that I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, you can have some tension back on Oa when he figure when Hal figures out that like Earth is still in such grave danger. He gets in like a disagreement with the other Lanterns and Sinestro over like going back to help. Yeah, I I agree with that. I would have him get in a fight with other Lanterns and Sinestro, but I would not have the Guardians in this movie at all. Oh, okay. Uh, well, except for like at the beginning. Well, no, I guess you have to if we're gonna have the Manhunters. Yeah, like you gotta. I think you gotta have them. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to have But they're supposed to be, like, really detached, so, like, their role can just be really small. Yeah. But I think it's interesting to, like, peel back Sinestro, uh, to peel back uh, Atrocitus' backstory and, like, 
understanding what the Manhunters were, the reveal of this, and like learning about this through conflict with Atrocitus is what breaks Sinestro's faith in the Lantern Corps. Mm. Oh, that makes total sense. Um, I love that. And because it, and because people like because Atrocitus has no respect for the authority of the Lantern Corps is like kind of spreading that sentiment. You can have Sinestro have the whole deal. Well, if they feared the Manhunters and they don't respect the Lantern Corps, this universe will fear me. Because, like, Mark Strong in in the movie as it exists is so good, but, like, Sinestro yeah. doesn't do anything and yeah. it's extremely frustrating. <laughs> right? Because he got it so good. He really, really understood what Sinestro was supposed to be like. Yeah, yeah. Mark Strong is always excellent, but, like, largely... With the possible exceptions of, like, Hector Hammond and Carol Ferris, I thought everyone in this movie was very well cast. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, I even like Angela Bassett as Amanda Waller. Yeah. It's a very different energy than I what I've seen so, of Viola Davis. I had completely forgotten that, A, she was even in the movie, and B, that it was Angela Bassett. Right. Because Amanda Waller doesn't do anything. Right. She's, like, kind right. of a non-entity. Yeah. Nobody does Well, anything. she's not even credited. She's not credited as Amanda Waller. Like, on IMDb Pro, she's credited as Dr. Waller. Which, Amanda Waller's not a doctor. Interesting. Right. Like, this is, like, some totally weird thing that they did for some reason. I think it's, like, some uh, some retroactive shenanigans because she definitely says Amanda Waller. Her name is Amanda Waller in the movie, and Amanda Waller's not a doctor. And I feel it's like, uh, no, she wasn't Amanda Waller. She's Dr. Waller, <laughs> yes? <laughs> so, like, I think... Uh, like the climax of the movie, like just so Carol has something to do and Amanda Waller is still in the movie, you have them use like some of these developed stealth planes to try to defend people from Atrocitus's Red Lanterns as Hal is on his way back to Earth before he shows up. And I think that would be particularly apparent because like that would make Atrocitus just even angrier. He's like, the, it's just Manhunters, but but uh, fly now. Right. Manhunters uh, man with wings. Yeah. That's good. I like that a lot. Yep, I'm I'm on board. I like everything you said. I think you've pitched a much much better movie, and I'm so excited to see it this uh, on all theaters Christmas Day. <laughs> right? I, mean, I would be so down for seeing a movie like this on Christmas Day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is it? Nine golden rings <laughs> or five <laughs> golden? <laughs> well, like with the black and white lanterns, there are nine rings. Uh, that's true. Wait, really? Yeah. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, black, black and white. white. Yeah. Oh, that that's what you meant. I was like, I, I feel like there were more black lanterns than nine. And I feel like there was just one true white lantern. But yeah. yes, now I understand what you're there saying. Are nine dif- there are nine colors in the emotional spectrum or whatever they want to call it. Yeah, whatever they need to, to yeah. get through the day. <laughs> I also kind of think it would be cool to see just like a little little deep lore reference thing when you see the big green man uh the the green battery on oa to see like the shadow of the whale that is the spirit of green energy swimming around here's the thing i would also love to just like in the very very core you just kind of like see a little fish swim around (laughs) i'm down but it should not be a character and like even if we if we ever get to parallax or whatever the red entity's name is or the green entity like that's a that is a third that is like you have to earn Ragnarok. Yes. You don't get to start yes. with Ragnarok. I don't remember most of their names, but the red one doesn't even really have a name. It's just called The Butcher. I Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I'm down. Sounds amazing. 
Cool. I yeah, you pitched a movie. Good job. I'm on board. I I don't have anything to add to that. I just love Atrocitus. Um, yeah. We were talking about it and, for like a week. We we're like, okay, what would we want our Green Lantern movie to be? Yeah. I think you did an excellent job, and I like I never even considered Atrocitus because I like I think of him as kind of like the deep lore thing. Because part of the reason why I think this movie had parallax is because that story was still fairly. When did Greenland? When did Hal Jordan get uh, uh, possessed by parallax? In the late eighties, Emerald Twilight. Oh, then never mind. Yeah, it's like the late eighties, the Emerald Twilight. Oh, is stuff. it really? But it was retconned to having been a possession by parallax. It wasn't originally supposed to be. Yeah, because I thought like his. The whole breaking free of Parallax thing was like the mid 2000s. Yeah, because it was a retcon to a previous storyline. Oh, I but see. technically, all the events that led to that are like from the mid 80s mm. or late 80s. That, that so my thought process is similar to Cass's because I was thinking that this was a fairly mid 2000s thing and that's why it got put in the movie. Yeah, that makes sense. This is the hot new thing. Uh, let's make a movie about Winter Soldier. That's the new one all the kids are talking about, <laughs> right? I mean, a Parallax. A parallax. <laughs> Yeah, I also think it's interesting to start with Atrocitus too because he's the he's like the lead Red Lantern and Red is the first light in the spectrum. So like if you were going to introduce them, you kind of do it in order except for Sinestro. You have to do the yellow light as no, quickly no, as no, possible. No, 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 no. You you save orange. You save orange from the very end. You, you oh. can't you, you yeah, you can't you, you can't open with one, no. please. You have to earn yes, Larflees. Exactly. Yeah, Lar- you have to earn that terrible. Moment. And the Indigo Tribe. It's the Indi- yes, the Indigo yes. Tribe too is also just wild. Yes. Yeah, I and I'm not crazy about them, but like when we get to uh, Saint Walker, like Saint Walker, we can do movie too. Yeah, I love that boy. I love I love the blue light. <laughs> I love the ex- that I don't know because I I think at my core I want to be an optimistic person, so that's why I'm like, oh, look at all the Blue Lanterns. They're so cool. <laughs> well, one of the Guardians becomes a Blue Lantern for yeah, a little while. Yeah. Yeah, good use of the word core. Oh. Yeah. That was... God dang it. <laughs> Retroactive pun. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, but yeah, cool. I, I love what you did with the movie. Like, I have nothing else really to add to this other than, great job. Let's let's cast this Sweet. movie. Yeah. Dueling Genre. So before we get to like the cast of the movie as we have it, I do have a John Stewart and I had like a secret uh, weapon for John Stewart mm-hmm. um, because I also cast Shaira Hall. Oh, nice. Do a little little tease for Hawk Girl to build the world out. Yeah, because as someone who grew up with Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, the 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 one true whatever the the one true the romance OGP. is John. St- the OTP, thank you. One true pairing, that's it. Yes. Is John Stewart Shaira Hall. Yeah. I have actually <sighs> never seen that those Justice League cartoons all the way through. Oh, uh, it's so good. Like, Hawkgirl's whole character arc across that series is like the most compelling arc any character has. Mm. It's so emotionally rich and interesting. It's wonderful and fascinating. It's all up on HBO Max. If you have HBO Max, you mm. have it. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I've got the DVDs that I'm looking at right now, but <laughs> HBO Max is good too. There you go. Uh, but yeah, cool. All right. So because you guys didn't cast John Stewart or Shayer Hall, I'm just going to tell you about who I have, mm. and then we'll go back and, and talk about Hal Jordan. Seem fair? Sounds good. So John Stewart, like, I was like, he's a Marine. He's funny, but he's, like, also serious. Yeah. And so the <laughs> the way Daniel Kaluuya just is as an actor, I was like, it, it kind of has to be Daniel Kaluuya. Ooh, like, I don't know I can see that. anyone else who could That's do this That's really role. good. I can see that. But- 
kind of based off of his performance in Black Panther, where he's like, he's the friend who's kind of fun, but also, let me tell you about what's going mm-hmm. on. And my Shayara Hall, like, I don't love this casting because I would really, I really wanted to find, like, a redheaded stunt woman because I wanted kind of, like, just the buff redhead. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find that. So I went with someone who kind of like had the drama and the comedy and all that. And then I was like, oh, no, she was also in Fant Four Stick. Yeah. <laughs> eh, whatever. So I went with I went with Kate Mara. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not familiar, familiar with their work. With, yeah. She's on House of Cards. She did voices on Robot Chicken and stuff. Mm. And she was uh, Sue Storm in the, the Fant Four Stick movie. Mm. And I think she is a better actress than we give her credit for. And I feel like it. she needs a, a Michael B. Jordan-style comeback from Fantastic. <laughs> Fair. Do, doesn't everyone that was in that movie? I, I, no, Miles Teller can be done, I love, I love that you call it Fantastic. <laughs> Isn't that what everyone calls it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are my two. Obviously, we don't have them in this movie, and we're going to have to figure out something for Atrocitus since I don't have that. But tell me about your Hal Jordan. We talked about this for a while. I think we um, we generally have like uh, like a unified list, but like sometimes we are like split on our opinion. Yeah. Um. So, so I'm interested to see. I how guess this I goes. should go first because I kind of am leaning more towards the one that you ultimately kind of like settled oh, on yeah, for Hal Jordan. I win. But <laughs> one of the first actors that came to my mind when I was thinking about this was Charlie Hunnam. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. As it's like, I think he can really do that. Like. He's really great in Sons of Anarchy. I think he can do the cocky energy just based on Pacific Rim. I think he has too much puppy dog energy mm. and not enough fuckboy energy. But like then the more I thought about <laughs> Cass's choice, the more I'm like, I, I'm into this. I'm like, I'm legitimately into this. It's kind of this. a weird choice. Because like I personally see Hal as uh, like younger, like mid 30s, like um, instead of, I don't know, mid 40s. Almost 40, yeah. like late yeah. 30s. Char- Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam is forty-one, but but yeah, I agree with you, Cass. I also was thinking kind of early thirties to mid thirties. Yeah. So this was like a really hard one, but I really am intrigued by the idea of Zac Efron as Hal Jordan. What? I think he could do it. The more I think about it, like the more I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I think he can do that. I think, I think he he's could do got it. it. I think it would be really interesting. Oh, man. You know what? I'm also falling for this. Like, the more I think about it, yeah, he has a lot of, like, Ryan Reynolds energy, like, a lot of the kind of, like, cocksure mm-hmm. attitude sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's weird, right? But it, That's, like, feels it, correct. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah. You know what? That's a good way to describe. Yeah. yeah. I initially was like, I don't know. And then I slept on it. And I'm like, actually, yeah. <laughs> it, that's the thing. It kind of works. Who did you pick? I'm I'm very curious. Yeah. So for a couple of these roles, I was like, there's a lot of white people. I'm going to make some of these slightly mm-hmm. less white. Yeah. So for Hal Jordan, because he's like, I, he, I needed someone who's creative and is able to like think on his feet because that's what makes for a good Green yes. Lantern. Yeah. Um, so someone with a strong comedy improv background I went with an actor that not as many people are familiar with, but he was on Narcos, so I know he can do drama, but he also was like, he had a sketch show called Alternatino, Mm -hmm. and it's an actor named Arturo Castro. Arturo Castro. I don't, I can't say that I can, that I know who that is. Yeah, mine also is a left field pick, which is probably why we'll go with Zac Efron, but like, I was like, I think we can do something. He looks familiar, but like, 
Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen anything with him in it. I mean, he also suffers from the problem of, like, if you thought Charlie Hunnam suffered from baby face. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see that. It's too, too baby-faced. Kyle Rayner should be, be a baby-faced baby face man. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think Arturo Castro would be an excellent Kyle mm. Rayner. But I do think you're right that uh, Zac Efron is... I don't know how you did that, but yes, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It should be Zac Efron. <laughs> what about your Sinestro? So, oh no, did I miss Sinestro? Oh no! Oh no! How did I miss Sinestro? Dun, dun, dun. All right, I'm, I'm going to repurpose because I had someone else, but I'm going to use him for Sinestro okay. instead. I, so I'm making my Sinestro older and a little bit witty, but more, but, but also like can be very intense. Mm-hmm. So I went with James Spader. Interesting. At least in the voice, I think he would have that down. Like just in his, his, yeah. his just the quality of his performance. I don't know about the look of James Spader as Sinestro. No, he doesn't have the look. Uh, the, James Spader is who I initially had as Hammond, the uh, the Tim Robbins replacement. Uh-huh. But but we're uh, we're not going to have that guy in this movie, and we, or we might we might have some sort of government representative. I don't know. I can't believe I forgot to ca- recast Sinestro. I have Hector Hammond on here, <laughs> right? but I don't have Sinestro. Like to tell you the truth, like if I wasn't going to, if I was like keeping as many people from the original oh. movie as possible, I'd be like, why would I recast Mark Strong? Uh, <laughs> But that's that's right. I remember because like I was like be- because of my initial thing, like I didn't even want Sinestro to be in the first. Oh, movie. Uh, right, right, sense. right. That's that's why because of my initial pitch, I was like, no, Sinestro's in the yes, second movie. Yeah. But I but your pitch is so strong that it's like we we can't do that. But no, you're right. Sinestro needs to be in this. So so my pick for Sinestro is Luke Evans, which we we agreed on like right away. Um, and maybe it's because we've been rewatching the Hobbit movies, but uh, I think he could do it. Yeah, me too. What uh, what else has he done that you're like oh Luke Ep- what, remind me who he is? Um, in the he's Bard the Bowman. Did you see that? Re- oh, is 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 he the attractive one? Yes, he's the, the Will Turner uh, looking guy. <laughs> he looks he looks more like Orlando Bloom than Orlando Bloom does in those movies. But is his head round enough? Well, I mean, you just go be- in with CG. <laughs> right, you do a little bit of a touch up. Um, I mean, I don't have anyone for Sinestro, so we have to go with Luke Evans. Like, also, I have no choice. I don't know if you saw the the Beauty and the Beast live action remake, but he's Gaston. No, in that. Oh, okay. Um, he's honestly the best part about that movie, and that movie's not that great. Uh, okay, great, <laughs> fantastic. I think I remember watching some YouTube videos. Like, so Gaston's good. Let me tell you why the rest of the movie's bad. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's great. Uh, I love it, and he's older than Zac Efron, and that's important mm-hmm. for this. Yeah, I feel like he should be, like, at least a decade older than Hal. Yes, yeah. Yeah, well, he's also space older, so he could be 100 oh, years older. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Sinestro is way older than Hal, I'm pretty space sure. Space older. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, he's also the last of his species or something, 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 something comic book history. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he might be now, or, like, one of the last of a handful, yeah. I don't remember like, I, I read some deep Wikipedia nonsense about Sinestro yeah. years and years ago, but I don't remember any of it other than like, yeah, the Guardians promised they'd protect this planet. And then they <laughs> and did they it. they did it. Yes. And, then, and then the Yellow Lantern Corps like, took over his planet when he was during Blackest Night when he stopped being a Yellow Lantern. And he was pissed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then he like wrecked all of them, right? Yeah. He went and gave Hal like, a ring again and was like, you and me are going back to Korrigar. Let's fuck up some shit. <laughs> Good. All right. Uh, so then that, uh, so that's Sinestro. We got to talk about Carol Ferris. Yes. Yes. 
so I guess I'll tell you about mine first. Again, I also, for the same thing that I talked about uh, earlier, is that I feel like you need, obviously Carol Ferris is like the, the ingenue love interest, but I also kind of wanted a little bit uh, nerdy energy for her because she works for a tech company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I wanted someone who's kind of like done the the interesting choices and is also funny because I always try to cast people who are at least sort of funny. Mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> um, but this actress, like, recently was in Kajillionaire, which is that that movie created by... Oh, man, I can't think of... It. She was in Kajillionaire. She's in Annihilation, and she was the lead on Jane the Virgin for years and years. I thought it'd be fun to have Carol Ferris be Gina Rodriguez. Oh, I like her. I do, too. I like that. Uh, thank you. Who did you have? Was this an agreement or a disagreement for Carol Ferris? Uh... It took us a little while to, like, come up with one, mm-hmm. but we kind of just agreed on Zoe Kravitz. I can see that. Because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. There needs to be less white people in this movie. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> but I like Gina Rodriguez. I think Zoe Kravitz is already Catwoman. She's in a lot of these superhero movies already, and Gina Rodriguez is not. And I feel like Carol Ferris is a good place for her to play, especially because I think it would be fun to have eventually her be Star Sapphire. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, yeah, I like your pick. Yeah, me too. I really like Gina Rodriguez. Great. Let's do that. So I do have a Hector Hammond. I don't think we're going to have Hector Hammond. So I'm going to tell you about my Hector Hammond, even though we're not going to have him. Fair enough? Sure. Sure. I wanted someone who was genuinely funny and could be compelling. And the problem with Hector Hammond as he exists in the movie now is that we're not on his side. Mm-hmm. Not even a little. Someone who, not even a little. Like, I don't think, like, and then we find out, like, oh, Hector Hammond and then Hal and Carol have been friends for, like, have known each, not friends, have known each other for years. I'm like, that's, that's weird. We don't need that. And I want to just be, like, some wisecracking scientist who, like, like, just has a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And there are so few people who can play that better than Patton Oswald. <laughs> okay, that rules, actually. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> Find, Thank you. find a way to get Patton Oswalt in your superhero movie. Uh, again, and like he exists in these things already. Like, yes. He, he's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's freaking MODOK. Mm-hmm. Like I want, like, do you get that MODOK energy and you, like, it's basically just getting him to be MODOK, but live action. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. But build Yeah, if to you're going to do Hector Hammond, 100%. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, so we don't get to have that, but I, I was real proud of that. <sighs> Fine. Who'd you have for Tom Kalmaku? Uh, we didn't cast him. Yeah, we didn't cast him, actually. But Hal Jordan needs a friend. Yeah, he does need a friend. He does need a friend. That's true. Just bring Taika Waititi back. <laughs> Just bring Taika Waititi back. I mean, Taika Waititi is so good. But, like, I, I do think Hal Jordan needs a friend. And I think he needs someone who, like, is there and supportive and is, like, the one person who believes him. Is like, I don't believe you, but I believe mm-hmm. you. Like, one of those kind of friends. Yeah. So, since you don't have this role, I'm just going to tell you right now. It's Manny Jacinto. What has he been in? Yeah. The Good Place. Oh, shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He, he's Jason yes, on The Good yes, Place. Yes, yes, Yeah. The only sort of person who could kind of bring, like, Taika Waititi-style energy to yes. a role. Yeah. Oh, he's such a goofball. I, yeah, no, that's really good. That is really good. I like that a lot. Good. I love him. Uh, so then I assume that the next person you have is Abin Sur and then Atrocitus? Uh, yeah, we can do that. Abin Sur is really hard. It is it's very hard. I agree with that. I had an idea for Abin Sur that I think is just kind of fun on a meta level because he's not around for very long. So, like, you kind of want to get someone who, like, maybe their voice or their name is a little recognizable. And then, like, they get to die in the movie, like, in the first 10 minutes. 
or however long it is till you like see their death scene. Uh, and to get a little right. meta with it, because he passes the ring to Hal Jordan, I think it would be funny and like kind of fun to give that role to Nathan Fillion, because he's the longtime voice of Hal Jordan in the animated stuff. Oh, is he? Yeah. He's done a, a lot of voice funny. work as Hal. Oh, that's very clever. Uh, I like that a lot. I, so I had a similar, like, like part of me was wanted to make it Ryan Reynolds, just because I thought it would be funny. <laughs> but Same same idea. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, obviously, you, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a distraction among, for, for all distractions. Right. But, like, I wanted someone who kind of, like, has been in the, these kinds of movies. And, like, it's like, like, we get, like, it's probably disappointed that he's just too old at this point to, like, to really be a superhero movie mm-hmm. kind of guy. Because he would have been so good. And that actor is uh, Neil McDonough. What has Neil McDonough been in? He's Damien Dark in the Arrowverse. He's also, like, one of the... Like, he's in Captain America as one of the dudes in the past uh, uh, on the Captain America team. But, like, he's just a little bit too old for it now. Wow, this guy's face looks immediately familiar to me. Yeah, like, he's been around. Like, I, so I did background work. I mention this whenever he comes up on the podcast. I did background work the first uh, year or two I was in Los Angeles. And so I was in an episode of uh, Justified and Neil McDonough killed me. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> and like, it's background. You never see my face. I'm like fuzzy in the background, like tied to a bed. And it's like, oh, that dude's about to get moitered. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I-, I thought he'd be fun. I think Nathan Fillion is like a more meta choice. And I think that's kind of fun. And we should probably do that. But I also love Neil McDonough. Yeah, I um, I'm honestly like because I like the meta of of Nathan Fillion, but I actually I think Neil McDonough's I like Neil, Neil McDonough's look more. Hmm. Um, especially because if you put cover in prosthetics, you just get those piercing yeah, blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. Also, isn't Nathan Fillion kind of a dick? Uh, I think so. I don't know. I don't actually. I have no know. idea. I know he's not as much of a dick as uh, his Firefly co-star that I can't even remember the name of. Uh, the one that plays Jane. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, something Baldwin. Yeah. Billy Baldwin. Not Billy Baldwin. Some other Baldwin. Adam? Adam Baldwin? Yeah, no, apparently he's a monster. Yeah, yeah, no, he's yeah. not a good person. <laughs> but yeah, I've heard, I've, I've heard, like, I don't personally know, but like, I'm happy to go with either one. Like, Nathan Fillion is a great choice and it's very funny, and I love that. Yeah. And it's funny in a way that I don't think is distracting because it's only like people who've seen a lot of the animated stuff would be like, I know that voice. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I felt about uh, Nathan Fillion's presence in the new Suicide Squad movie because I didn't realize it was Nathan Fillion until someone pointed it out to me. Oh, nice. But yeah, I'm happy to do that. Let's go with Nathan Fillion for now, but if he's an ass. Absolutely cut him, throw someone else yeah, in. For sure. Probably Neil McDonough, because we love Neil McDonough. Yeah. He's great and lovely. Nice. Tell me about your atrocities, who I do not have anyone for this. So I am kind of I'm still kind of like iffy on on my pick because like my instinct is I want a more diverse cast, but also at the same time I'm hesitant to cast a black actor in this role because he's like a villain. But I think Idris Elba can do, like, angry really well. Yeah. So that was my pick. Norman's is, I'm also, like, intrigued by. Um, uh, but it has, like, a way different energy. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I think what's important about uh, Atrocitus is you have to be able to be both, like, really silent angry and really explosive angry and feel like you're always on the border between the two. That makes sense. And I th- 
one of the first actors I thought of was uh, Daniel Craig. Oh, oh, interesting. Uh, because I think he really can do that. I've seen him in enough stuff where like he's he hits like a really high anger, but he's also really good at like that simmering angry. He has a lot of that energy sometimes as Bond, mm. especially in Skyfall. But uh, yeah, Dan- Daniel Craig was like one of the first people that like I thought of. I also think that Idris Elba is like really capable of doing that, but I'm likewise kind of hesitant to place him in a villain role. Yeah, yeah. Although a villain with such like a sympathetic uh, like core of a backstory is like maybe okay it's two very different performances it's also two really different performances (laughs) i mean we see idris elba everywhere for yes yes i'm I'm more inclined to give it to daniel craig that's fair i think honestly i think because we see idris elba so often is because that speaks to his caliber as an actor yeah um I, i mean i'm a little surprised you didn't go with uh the other somewhat obvious choice for someone who just loses their goddamn mind all the time Mm. And who would probably love being in this level of prosthetic? Why didn't you make this Nicolas Cage? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a really different energy. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I would be We're distracted steal by the that. Declaration of Independence, Hal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Look, he has to steal the Declaration of Lantern Dependence. <laughs> you don't understand. It's the Guardians. It's always been the okay, Guardians. So, so he's in that movie um, that just came out pig right yeah is that good i've heard like really i don't I've know heard really interesting things about that movie so like i've heard that pig is really good and like the the one where he's so completely silent in the five night at freddy's is good mm-hmm. and i just like in dueling john tonight i just talked about uh like his next movie that's coming up that's that uh like the weird taken but uh japan oh thing and he's in that, and apparently he's good in that. So I don't know. Maybe, this could go yeah. either way. Maybe we're in the middle of the Nick Cage sauce. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the time is nigh. I'm just like I, when I think of atrocities, I just think of like the sneer, the growl, and the roar. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be able to do all three. Yeah, and while I, I 100% think Idris Elba would be is capable, and we know he's capable. I mean, he's freaking Shere Khan mm-hmm. uh, of doing all of that. I don't love Idris Elba or Daniel Craig in the role. Obviously, Nicolas Cage would be funny, but I don't think that's right Mm -hmm. either. I'm going to write down Daniel Craig, and if we're able to come up with something better, that would be awesome. That's legit. Mm. Yeah. I guess, like, part of it, too, is, like, is it a prosthetic? Is it CG? Because if it's CG and, like, mocap, then there's, like, other people that you would cast based just on voice. Right. Yeah, that's true. And, like, maybe that's something to think about. I don't know. I'd forgotten that he was in that Jungle Book movie. (laughs) Yeah. Sure, Khan. Yeah. The only reason I remember is because uh, there was some something I retweeted earlier this week where it's uh, when they announced that Idris Elba is going to be playing Knuckles in the Sonic yeah, sequel. It's yeah, yeah. Like, Good God. The, it, it, Idris Elba is uh, it, the his uh, furry Sona is just adding to his oh, furry God. Sona or something. It just listed <laughs> and like McCavity, Sheer Khan, <laughs> Knuckles. The water bison in Zootopia. Well, you see, okay, so so Knuckles is his Sonic Sona. <laughs> right, that's different. It's different ah. than first Sona. Of Gotta course, Sonic OC. Sam is like, why are you cursing me with this knowledge? <laughs> Here's the thing: I have that knowledge already right. because I'm also too online. Right? <laughs> People who are not too online do not understand the power of the Sonic fandom, <laughs> and they shouldn't. Uh, anyone who's listening, do no, not look, don't it, look up. it up, please. Don't. For the love do of not. 
you this it it, it abandon all hope ye who enter uh-huh. it is it is truly an abyss <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, Idris Elbus's knuckles is gonna get so pregnant <laughs> Oh my god, you almost made me spit water all over my I'm like, microphone. <laughs> I'm like legitimately interested in where the Sonic sequel goes. Oh uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, it goes right to the bedroom. <laughs> oh my god. Oh lord. <laughs> so anyway, I think Idris Elba's going to be bas- busy raising a bunch of echidna babies. That's fair, we'll be, that's fair. Right. Uh, but... Like, but but that's the thing. Like, uh, atrocities is tough. Like, you need like good crazy energy. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like because if it was just voice, you could do Mark Hamill. But like, it's not just voice. You need it to be like the whole energy of like just that level of like. What's the name of that guy? Oh, what's the name of the guy from The Walking Dead? Uh, oh, uh, Jeff- Jeffrey uh, Dean Morgan. Yeah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, like someone like him. Yeah, I could see him doing it too. We like that was kind of talked about. Like, yeah, we talked a little bit about Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, if it's purely voice, like one of the actors I that in my brain was David Tennant. That's yeah, that's like a, a really weird one. <laughs> Are I mean, you kidding? I He's think... so good at sil- at like quiet intensity yeah, and then yeah. big big rage. I, I feel like they're doing more and more with mocap, and I feel like that's a technology that's just getting better and better with time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That like it's it's almost like live action animation. And I feel like that's especially like Atrocitus has got to look like kind of the way they made uh, Thanos looked, and Thanos they did motion capture on James Brolin. Mm. Yeah, I so I, so I think someone like Jeffrey Dean Morgan because he can do like the fury and the rage, but also can go very quiet and and subtle right. as well. Yeah, I, and Atrocitus is kind of funny. He can be really yeah. snarky. <laughs> he should be. He. Like what? Like if anyone has gallows humor, it's Atrocitus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I might push us towards Jeffrey Dean Morgan if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm cool with that. We we talked about that one too. So okay. So who else, actor wise, do you have that um, that we have not covered yet? Um, we cast Kilowog and Tomare. Oh, um, you did. Okay, great. Yeah. And I, I didn't for the same reason I didn't cast uh, Sinestro because I didn't think we should be at that planet. But mm-hmm. great. Tell. Tell me about your Tomar Ray. So it blew my mind that it, because like Jeffrey Rush it, as Tomar Ray has such like a soothing exposition voice. Right. I could, li- I, that narration, despite it being like all just plain exposition, I was like so much more engaged with the movie than like most other places. And it was at the point where I was like, okay, who has a really soothing voice? And we watch a lot of nature documentaries. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, so I have like two picks and I'm leaning towards the second one. But my first thought was Paul McGann because he has he uh, he has a very uh, soothing voice. Paul McGann I don't know who that is, is. Paul McGann's the eighth doctor. Yeah. Um, and a lot uh, the majority of the eighth doctor's... Um, uh, from Doctor Who, sorry. Uh, and the the majority of the Eighth Doctor stuff is um, audio plays. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that was my thought. And then I I remember watching a documentary that was narrated by Alexander Siddick, who I know as Bashir from Star Trek DS9. And his voice is also very soothing. And I'm kind of leading towards him because if, like, we're doing the mocap, I think, like, he... He could do like the physicality. I think he was in Game of Thrones too, but I didn't get that far in. I didn't get to that season that mm. he showed up in. So, 
Yeah, that's that's. Did you have a Tomar Ray Norman? No, because I was like, I like the idea of both of these guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I think you're right. I think Alexander Siddig is a great choice. I think that's really well thought out. I think both your choices are excellent. Mm-hmm. But I think let's go with Alexander Siddig. Why not? And then for Kilowog, like the first person that popped into my brain was Dave Batista. And I'm just kind of in love with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I legitimately don't know how else you could get. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, yes. And it, it like, I don't know. It sucks that he's kind of like, that's like the only thing he plays. But like, he's but really he's good, so at, good at yeah, it. Yeah, he is. Right. He's very good at it. So, And when you get him to do something else, like when he's, well, I mean, that's not true. Like when you get him to do like what he did in the Spectre, the James Bond movie, that was so boring and uninteresting. Mm-hmm. But then he also has like his character in uh, the uh, Blade Runner 2049 is so deep and so compelling. And I feel like you set Kilowog up as kind of like the, oh, it's just another Dave Batista role. But then you let him do kind of the intensely dramatic, excellent acting that he is very capable of doing like he does in Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you set it up with our expectation of, oh, it's just Dave Batista doing Dave Batista things again. But then it's just Kilowog with all his hidden depths. Yeah. Because yeah. so good. Yes. Yeah. I love Dave Batista for that role. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Do we need some sort of, like, government person who's really pushing the, whatchamacallits? The, the, uh, uh, uh. The drones or, or the, the stealth things? Yeah, I, I think yeah, that's just the role the, you give Amanda Waller in this movie, just the, so you don't Ed, cut one of the women. The Ed 209, but in space? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, should we just, like... Do you have, have an Amanda Waller? Because I don't think we've talked about Amanda Waller. Should Should we just, like, have um, Viola Davis, uh, like, reprise her role as uh, Amanda Waller? Like, right, just keep it, the DC just keep it in the DC like, thing? Viola Davis, like, here we go. She could be the through line, maybe, but... Um, I mean, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. I don't think we have her on our list, even though you're like, it's important she's here. Because <laughs> we just couldn't decide on yeah, like, what yeah. to do with it. <laughs> well, it's also like, I I like I get with the casting they've done for Amanda Waller on all these movies, but like, you can cast someone who's overweight. Yeah. Yes, you, you can, because that's like the iconic Amanda Waller image in my head is from the DC animated stuff. Yeah. Uh, and she's so badass in that. Who was the actor that, or the actress that you mentioned? Uh, I've seen a lot of, like, fan casts of Amanda Waller from, like, before this, uh, the first Suicide Squad movie of Octavia Spencer. Mm. Uh, I mean, of course. But yeah. 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 I don't know. It's just kind of like another hard one, hard, like, a little bit harder of a one to cast, I think. Yeah. I'm happy to go with Octavia Spencer. I feel like for Amanda Waller, I would go some, I, I would probably do probably a deeper cut, but I'm happy to yeah. go with Octavia Spencer yeah. for now. Yeah. yeah. Just for lack of, lack of anything else. Mm-hmm. And because Octavia Spencer is fantastic, I don't want to say anything bad about her. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> cool. So that is all of the actory roles, which brings us, I believe, to writer and director. Mm-hmm. Do you have a separate writer or director or do you have a hyphen in? Uh, we, no, we went with a separate writer and director. Yeah. Um, I did too. And then I have like a, a crazy left field pitch depending on how we feel afterwards. But tell me about your writer. Uh, ideally, it's me. Uh, but in that... <laughs> <laughs> but if, you know, if that doesn't work out, I don't know. I think a Phil Lord, Christopher Miller take on this would be interesting. I mean, if you want to really build off the comedy, I think they are very commonly the people to go to. Yeah. I think they're good at establishing character quickly, too, which I think is really important for, like, the Green Lantern core stuff. I think so. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, like, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, like, everything they touch is gold. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like the, the, well, yes, obviously, if we can get them, that would be amazing. And like, Phil Lord has one of the writing credits on Spider-Verse, which goes into like a very emotional, like nuanced place. So I think that right. they could, I think they could do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's their movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. My writer is someone who's been around for a while, but I really don't. Like, and I feel like I brought her up on this podcast before, but just because there's a limited pool to choose from. But, like, I don't see her name around that much. Mm -hmm. But she was the writer on Kick-Ass and Kingsman and Stardust and X-Men First Class. And she's going to be the writer on the new Little Mermaid remake. And there's no one who wants to be part of your world like Atrocitus. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this writer's name is Jane Goldman. Okay. Yeah, no, like all of those I haven't seen Kick Ass, but like the other ones like are are good, yeah. good stuff. Like First Class is like my favorite X Men movie. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. I don't want to pick one of these right now. Norman, did you have uh someone in addition to Lord Miller? No, we like we were just talking about it, like the writer and and just, and just Lord of Miller? Lord of Miller would be good, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh all right, so then let me tell you about my director. I mean, I picked the director for one very reason. For Sorry, for, well, for one very reason. Uh, let me take that again. I picked director good yes now. <laughs> I So part of the reason why I picked the director I did is because the CG and the graphics in the movie we have now look so terrible mm-hmm. that it was important to me to get someone, a director, who would be able to do it well, who would be able to take kind of this idea of the, creating these constructs and make it look interesting mm-hmm. and take something that could be in- incredibly silly and and make it silly, but also make it serious. And so this is a director who uh, he is a director on the new Snowpiercer show. He's going to be directing the Labyrinth remake, but most importantly, he's also di- director of Dr. Strange. Oh, mm. and this director's name is Scott Derrickson. That's a good one. I didn't even know they were going to remake Labyrinth. I didn't either. That's interesting. That's been on my like long-term list of movies I need to talk about like for this podcast because yes. like I I do not think they should remake Labyrinth, but we all know they're going to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is a will be, not a should be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's what I had for my director. Uh, how about you? Uh, we we agreed on the director right away. It was uh, Cass's idea. And I was like, yeah, uh, is uh, uh, Kate Heron, the director of the Loki series. Oh, oh, yeah. Amazing. Perfect. Because like, we know that. that she can do like colors and like wacky space and like uh, like emotional nuance um, just from like the six episodes right. of the show. Including so, like big green construct yes, stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Yeah, awesome. So tell you what, let's do writer Jane Goldwyn and then director Kate Heron. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> let's do it. That would not, like, that That would, um, I mean, like, I would already want to go see a Green Lantern remake, but, like, knowing that it was both written and directed by women would, like, get me into the theater so fast. Like, <laughs> I mean, if we're going to be putting some sort of collar on Hal Jordan, who better to do it than Kate Heron? <laughs> right? <laughs> Just, you know, beaten down by Sinestro. I absolutely want... Yeah, no, seriously. I absolutely yeah. want to see the Hal-Sinestro uh, relationship interpreted through, like, two women. Yeah. I mean, they're going to get shipped so hard. Oh, I already do that. <laughs> oh, okay. <Yeah. laughs> it, 
the writing of their relationship does it on its own. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> that that's fair and true. So then yeah, let me take you through our cast for Green Lantern, a very a very merry lantern. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Hal Jordan is going to be played by Zac Efron. Carol Ferris will be Gina Rodriguez. Sinestro will be Luke Evans. Tom Kalmaku, who's just a Taika Waititi type, I guess, is Manny Jacinto. <laughs> uh, Abin Sir will be Nathan Fillion, unless he's an ass, in which case he's out. <laughs> Amanda Waller will be Octavia, uh, Octavia Spencer. Atrocitus will be Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Tomar Ray will be Alexander Siddig. And Kilowog will be Dave Batista. All of this will be written by Jane Goldman and then directed by Kate Heron. Oh, my uh, crazy left field pitch was like, if we don't feel good about our writer-director, I do. I feel great about both of them. It's, let's just have our uh, writer-director team be Lana and Lily Wachowski. They could do colors and shapes really well. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> I think that's a very different movie. Yes. And I don't think they would do it. But I, I think like, that's your I would more watch of light writer-director. I think because like they... They excel uh, directing their their own ideas, I think. The- what I think you need to do is I think once our franchise is wildly successful and you have a spin-off Indigo Lantern movie, that's the Wachowski Yes, movie. absolutely. Yeah. Since you're going to have a, have to have a, a movie for every single color of the lan- lantern right. spectrum. Yeah. Larflees can be Andy Serkis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, so good. Um but yeah, great. Uh, that is our <laughs> Green Lantern <laughs> uh, remake. That's amazing. Thank you so, so much for helping me do this. Yeah, this was awesome. this was yeah. really fun. Yeah, thank you is... for having us on. Yeah, thank you. So now's the time for plugs. What are you working on now? Or do you tell us about social medias and things you'd like people to follow. Well, uh, we don't have... We're, we're working on our next uh, podcast project that Norman and I are, are doing together. But currently on the Dueling Genre Patreon, which you can access from duelinggenre.com slash support, um, if you <laughs> if you want to support... Haven't said that 700 right? times If you want to support uh, Ideal Remake, another uh, Dueling Genre podcast, uh, I can shill. We are covering the extended edition of the, the Hobbit trilogy hour by hour. And not minute by minute because a lot of reasons. Uh, (laughs) But as of this recording, the first episode of the extended edition rated R cut of of Battle of Five Armies is up on Patreon uh, with the next two episodes to follow. I'm also the co-host of The Doctor's Companion, uh, which is a Doctor Who podcast. So if you like Doctor Who... Clearly, I have a brand, Wacky Space Shenanigans. <laughs> and I also executive produce uh, the superhero audio drama Geek by Night, of which there are, I think, 35 episodes to listen to, if you like audio dramas and superheroes. And Lord of the Rings Minute, which is the outlier that definitely should count. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like space. Yeah. With, you know. Magic ring. <laughs> yeah. Norman? Outside of what has already been mentioned, yeah, I don't really do anything else for the podcast. <laughs> thing, so. Well, the one thing that neither of you have mentioned is like social media, Twitter, Instagram. Okay, I'm at Dark Hearted Rose on Twitter and Instagram, but it's just pictures of my cat. I'm uh, at NK Mitch forty two, and I'm not terribly active on Twitter. <laughs> Good for you, right? This is what we aspire to be. Yeah, yeah. I'm just there. <laughs> You're doing great. We're so proud of you. <laughs> cool. 
Cool. Uh, if you're interested in following me, I am at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on Twitter. Or if you want to follow the podcast, it's at Ideal Remake on Twitter or Instagram or join us on Facebook, Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. Uh, but the best thing you can do to help all podcasts other than subscribing to the Dueling Genre Patreon would be to go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review because that's the best thing you can do for any podcast, for Lord of the Rings Minute, for... The Doctor Who companion. The Doctor's companion. Uh, the Doctor's <laughs> companion. I'm very uh, yes. I'm so I'm so good at this. I wrote everything down. <laughs> I'm definitely not hearing about some of these podcasts for the first time. Um, <laughs> uh, is uh, Apple Podcast reviews really are the best thing you can do, and uh, we always appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so thank you both so much for forcing me to rewatch this movie it was a decent time but talking about it was way better yes i agree watching it was um something else Uh (laughs) but unfortunately now we need to end with the question i always ask at the end of my podcast which is what is your favorite quote from the movie green lantern gun to my head i could not quote this movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i'm i guess the green lantern oath yeah the green lantern oath i've always loved the green lantern oath I, I love the Green Lantern Oath. I do not like either of the ways it's done in the movie, but I do like the Green Lantern Oath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my favorite quote from this movie is the one that I said in the intro is that, like, I, I've i seen you naked. I'm rec- I would recognize you just be, like, I'm not going to recognize you if I can't see your cheekbones. Yes, that's Oh, yeah, that was line. hilarious. <laughs> like, I, I, I aspire to that level of just, like, meta-commentary brilliance in a movie. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that line so much. So good. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> awesome thank you both so much this has been wonderful yeah thank you yeah